I'm going to invite Nate Wheeler up. Nate just had such a cool little image from God. I just want him to share it. Good morning, church. Well, I was uh, worshiping and listening to that uh, video for Ignite. God put a verse in my heart and then a story behind it. So James 1 says, uh, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let the endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And as we were praying and singing, you know, I was thinking of fires. Did you know that a fire burns best if it started in the valley? Right? Simple physics. Heat rises and it just takes off and will go up a hill. And I started thinking about that in our lives and where we're at. Often we just seek where is the next best place for us to be. We want to be on the hilltop. We want to be at the perfect pinnacle of our life all the time. And when we're in a valley, we often look to the pinnacle of our life. Where can, how can I get to that place I want to be in? How can I get to that next step I want to be in? But it's in the valley that we can begin to have the fire in our life stirred up. And it's in the valley where we can become his witness. And it's in the valley that we can spread the gospel. And here's what we have to do. Often when we're in the valley, we're looking to that pinnacle. But if we change our focus from that pinnacle to the Father, that changes our perspective and we're able to glorify him in what we're going through because we know that the testing of our faith produces perfection. And that ignites the fire in our life. So it's this change of perspective from wanting to get out of this valley, get out of this ditch, to get close to the Father and be ignited with His Spirit. I just feel like that's for us today. So I'm just going to pray into that. Father, help us, no matter where we are, to put our eyes and our focus directly on You. Light the fire within us that we can be a raging fire for You. That people would see, even in the, in the worst times in our life, that we glorify you, the King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And that we cling close to you. And that no matter what we're going through, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Because it's due to you, the King. And help us look to you and not the next pinnacle, not the next best thing in our life, but to you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Nate. So back in April, oh, my name's Steve Hammes, for those of you who don't know. Um, back in April, the Vaqueros, Pastor Greg and Meg and Dan and Hannah went to Africa to visit um, their son Dan, his wife Miranda, and their kids. And Hannah posted on Facebook some pictures. They went on a safari. And she was posting, you guys saw, I think you saw everything God made, but there were so many pictures and I was looking at, they saw a lot of the big five. I don't know if you know the term, the big five, but it's a term that game hunters use for the, big, the five biggest and most dangerous animals that are prized possessions to hunt in Africa. I don't know why you'd want to hunt them because it just seems wrong, but that's just me. But those big five, they consist of the African lion, the African leopard, the black rhinoceros. There's one with all five of them up there, Jake. Um, 
It's the uh, African lion, the African leopard, the Cape buffalo, the black rhinoceros, and the African elephant. These five animals are at the top of their species. They're magnificent creatures. They're beautiful creatures, and they're prized possessions by hunters. I just want to give you some stats on these because it's fascinating. The African lion, from the top tip of his nose to the tip of his tail, he's about nine feet long. He weighs 500 pounds. He can leap 32 feet. The lion walks through the jungle like he is the king of the jungle because he is. (laughs) You can hear an African lion roar four miles away. It's incredible. The African leopard, he can jump 10 feet high and 20 feet across. He can run 36 miles an hour. He weighs about 200 pounds and he's up to 6 feet long. They can easily take a 200-pound carcass and haul it up into a tree, 20 feet up into a tree to eat it. It's amazing. The black rhinoceros. A few years ago, I sat next to a lady on a plane And we started to talk about rhinoceroses because she's part of a rescue group called Rhino 911. They go and they they protect and they rescue rhinoceroses because that tusk right there, that horn, is worth thousands of dollars. So they're trying to protect and save the species. And I asked her, I said, what is his enemy? And she goes, he has no enemies. A rhinoceros is not afraid of anything. They weigh 2,800 pounds. If I weighed that much, I wouldn't be afraid of a lot either. They're 5 foot 10 feet tall. They can run 34 miles an hour. They can take that horn and put it under a truck and flip a truck. They're powerful, powerful animals. The Cape Buffalo. This bad boy's 2,000 pounds. He's 6 foot tall, and his shoulders can get up to 4 feet wide. If you're going to kill a Cape Buffalo, you got to do it when they're young because that's the only time you can get a tooth or a claw through their skin. By the time they're a full-grown adult, nothing penetrates their hide. So you've got to kill them when they're young. They can run 35 miles an hour, and they can gore you to death with those horns. And if it weren't for man hunting them almost into extinction, they'd still be around today. Lastly, we have the African elephant, the largest animal on earth. They weigh between six and 7,000 pounds. They're 10 feet tall, and they can be 23 feet long. So large that they leave craters in the earth, and when they run and stampede, there's nothing that can stop them. That's the big five. So when I saw those pictures, I had been immersing myself in Proverbs 30. I had read Proverbs 30, and I came across these four verses that I just said, why are they even in there? It's just weird. Sometimes God just puts random little verses in the middle of Scripture, and I asked myself, why is this there? Why did they plunk it down into Proverbs 30? And I want to read it to you. So Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are of little strength, yet they store up their food in summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. And a lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. You know, God's telling us through Proverbs, these four little verses, I got something for you. I got some wisdom for you. And one would think that if God was going to express himself through any of his creatures, he would have picked the big five, you know, the big, tall and majestic and beautiful creatures. 
But God's not as concerned with talking to us through the big five as he is the little four. It's kind of like God just went through the, uncle, through the jungle and he went up to the elephant and he said, you are huge, but you're not the one. And he said to the lion, you're majestic, but you're not the one. And to the leopard, you are fast and beautiful, but you're not the one. Past the horse, past the bald eagle, past the rabbit, past the frog, down past the hummingbird, down past the beetle. And God went down, 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 all the way to the little ant. He's in here. I was on my hands and knees in a driveway trying to catch him before church. He had a brother, but, but he went all the way down to the ant. And you know, God wants us to know you don't have to be big and majestic. You can be small and mighty. So there's five points I want to make about these four, four little creatures today. We're going to take each one and take a little wisdom from these little guys. So let's start with the ant. The ant. In the summer, right now, he's busy. He's preparing his food for the winter. And he doesn't care about anything else going on. He is on a mission. When I went to catch the little guy, he wanted nothing to do with me. He wouldn't crawl around on my finger or anything. He's on a mission. He's focused So point number one today, prepare yourself. The ant totally disregards what's happened in the past. He doesn't care about last year. He doesn't care about offenses. He doesn't care about what obstacles he had to go over. He doesn't care about anything that happened last year. He's on a mission forward, preparing himself for his future. And as I thought about that, I thought a lot of us, you know, we're busy looking in the rearview mirror and hanging on to stuff that's in the past And we can't move forward because we're looking backwards all the time. And the ant doesn't work backwards. When summer, when everything's in bloom, he's not sitting there eating and devouring and everything and getting fat and lazy. He's not. You don't see him trying to eat everything. He has delayed gratification so that he can be ready for tomorrow. He's focused and he's patient. So you can't prepare yourself for what God's going to take you and what God has for you if you don't have the patience to wait while you prepare. He didn't seem to have any direction this morning when I found him. (laughs) They seemed to be like going wherever they want. It's like, what are you doing? And I thought, you know, God does that to us sometimes, doesn't he? He puts something in our path so you don't know where you're going and he wants you to adjust. But if the ant keeps focused on his mission, he gets to where he's going. And it's the same thing with us. God has a plan for you. And if you keep focused on him, he will take you there. His whole philosophy is to get ready for what is about to happen in his life. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you guys believe that God has a plan for you? And how many of you believe that it's a good plan? And how many of you believe that his plan is better than yours? Now this one, don't raise your hand. How many of you, your life actually reflects what you just raised your hand for? If we truly believe that, right? God wants to prepare you and you to plan and prepare yourself for where he's going to take you. And you might be saying, all right, so how do I do that? I was just thinking of examples. I thought of Kristen Allard in our small group. Kristen felt that God told her he has a new place and a new job that he wants to take her to. And she prayed about it. 
Kristen enrolled in school to go back to get further her schooling. She quit her job and got a new job so that she could go to school. She doesn't know what God has yet to prepare her for, yet she's preparing herself for what God has for her and where he wants to take her. I thought of Josh Smith, who used to go to Shiloh. Josh felt that God wanted him to to preach to Muslims and share the gospel with Muslims, but he didn't know anything about it. So Josh prepared himself. He He joined an organization that taught him the language, taught him the culture, taught him how he could minister to Muslims. He got ready, and then God launched him into the into that area of the country. He could talk to Muslims. Maybe you, maybe you're in debt and you want to be out of debt. How are you preparing yourself? Are you able to delay your gratification? Are you able to start saving? Are you able to discipline yourself? So when God moves, when God takes you to that place where he wants to bless you, you're ready. Do you want a new job? Are you, do you have your resume ready? Are you preparing yourself? Are you looking? Are you doing the things? Because God has a place that he wants to take you to, and he wants to bless you. You see, the ant's doing this now as we're in church. He's preparing his food for the winter because he believes when winter comes, he has enough faith to believe that he's going to be there, and he's going to be ready when it comes. He has enemies. He has obstacles. He has adversaries. He doesn't let any of that interfere with his mission to get where God is going to take him. And that's how we're supposed to look at our lives too. He's not waiting on anybody else to prepare it for him. He's going out and he's doing it himself. And what I love about ants, he didn't go out and just get the little bit. He went out and got the whole enchilada. And he's bringing it home. He's aspiring for the big things that God has for him. And he's going out and bringing it home. I love that. So if you're going to learn from the wisdom of the ant, you have to be prepared to look like a fool. You have to be busy getting ready for something that you don't need right now or that you don't completely understand. So that might mean that right now you've got to get out of step with where you are in life and you've got to do something different that looks foolish right now. But you're in step with where God wants to take you. So maybe God's stirring in your spirit like he has with Kristen that he's got something for you. If you've ever talked to anybody who's done anything significant for God, they're not looking in the rearview mirror. They're looking forward. Number two, the coney. So one version says the coney, one says the badger, one says the hyrax. We're going with coney. So the coney, he's feeble. He's a rodent. He's small, furry, cute. But his back legs are really feeble. He cannot outrun his prey. His hands are a little tiny. They can't dig fast enough. And his teeth aren't sharp enough to dig a hole fast enough. So he has no defense. He's got to hide himself in the crags of the rock to get away from an enemy. In order to survive, he's got to be in the rock crag. He has a handicap. He has a limitation. And many times we tell God and we tell others, we complain about our handicap and our limitations. We say things like, well, if only I had a degree, then I could. If only my parents had done this, then I could. If only I had the money, then I could. If only my skin color were different, then I could. But the Bible tells us that every one of us has a handicap of some sort. But you have to position yourself for what God's going to do in your life. You see, the Coney's travel in packs of 100 or so or more. They get together because alone they have a handicap, but together they can support each other. And God wants to position us. That's why the church exists, 
to support and protect one another. A lot of times we give a lot of excuses to God for why we can't do something. I don't have time. I don't have resources. I don't have knowledge. I don't have the ability, God, to do that. But everybody that's ever served God had a limitation. Moses stuttered. Isaac was blind. Thomas had a bunch of doubt. Paul had something wrong with his hip. Mephibosheth, I can't even say that. He was handicapped. But God says, you know, I already took that into consideration. When I made the plan for your life, I already knew about your handicap. I already took that into consideration. I have something for you. How many of you guys know that God can put the feeble people in places of power, in places of might? Do we believe that? It says in Scripture, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know what's cool about feeble people? They praise God differently. They praise God differently because they know if it weren't for God, I wouldn't be here. So many of us, when we have an ability, we can take a little ounce of pride and stick it in there. And there's a sense that God can use me. The people know that. No, he can't. If it weren't for God, I wouldn't be there. They choose and they worship God differently. But God chose to live in you. God chose to make his home in you. No matter what your limitation is, allow God to position and protect you. So point number two, position yourself. Don't let your handicap define where you can go and the height that you can go to. Allow God to position you. You know, a few weeks ago we did the baptism of the Holy Spirit and talked about that, that the power of God is inside of us. If we really, really believe that God has power inside of us, the word defeat wouldn't be in our vocabulary, would it? If we truly believe the power of God exists in you, you wouldn't be worried when your ship starts to sink. See, you can't win a spiritual victory if you're operating in your flesh. You have to operate within the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish a stronghold. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Your outer wrapper might not look like much, but there's power inside. The locust. The locusts are coming. The locusts are coming. The locusts are coming. That's what they used to say when they saw the swarm of locusts that used to blot out the sun. And the locusts would come and they would wipe a city out. They would turn it upside down. They could destroy every crop. And then the cattle would starve. They could bring down a kingdom. They can bring down a whole civilization. Everything would die. And they don't need a leader. They don't have a leader. They just go together. They work in unison. And you know what, guys? As a church, we can learn a lot from the locust. They eat everything because they're hungry. And if the church could operate like a locust, no weapon formed against us would stand either. If we could focus like a locust and do what a locust does, we could go back into an enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us. So here's some attributes that you can learn from the locust. They don't do anything by themselves. They do it as a group. And that's why there's so much talk in the Bible about the unity of the church. If we're unified, we're a powerful group of people. And there's nothing that you can do to block out a locust. You can put up a wall and they're going to go around it. And once they get through, they eat everything because they're hungry. So another thing, if you want to run, run with a pack of people who have an appetite for God. 
Run with people who are hungry for God. Run with those people. It makes a difference. They get into a city. They turn it upside down. You set 200 of us Christians together out with an appetite for God, we'll turn Manchester upside down. In your neighborhood, run with somebody who has an appetite for God in your neighborhood and pray. You'll turn your neighborhood upside down. That's the power that the locust brings us. The locust teaches us that we need to surround ourselves with those who are hungry for God. And honestly, I think COVID has been a, from the enemy. I think COVID has taught a lot of people or told a lot of people, you don't really need to go to church to be around people. You can do this. You can do it by yourself. In my opinion, it's a dangerous place. We have to run alongside and be with people who are hungry for God. The locusts, they're relentless. They're relentless. They don't give up. Don't give up. You put something in front of them, they go through the door. If you put, block the door, they'll go through the window. If you close the window, they'll go under the porch. They'll come through the wall. They'll come through a hole. They'll get there no matter what. You want to know something cool about locusts? They can't fly. Did you know they can't fly? They have wings. But they can't fly. They're tiny little straight wings and they're not wide enough to lift them off the ground. You know, I want to know what a locust does. He sits and he waits. If he does this, nothing happens. Because if you look at him and say, you have no strength. And if he looks at his wings, he has no strength. But he knows his power is in his legs. He listens for the wind to blow in the tree. And when it starts and sounds like it's a big enough wind, he gets ready. And then he just leaps, opens his wings And the wind will carry him for miles. You know, saints, that's the same thing with us. If God's talking to you and you're looking at your handicap, sometimes we just need to jump. We need to jump and get into the things that God has. Let him take care of it. I've been in places and I feel the nudge of God going, you need to say something to that person. You need to witness to that person. And I'm like, I can't. He's all, jump, jump, jump into your anointing. Jump into the things of God and don't let the enemy tell you that you have a limitation. Jump into the things of God. When the locust does that, he's like free and clear. The, whole, the wind does the work. There's no stress. There's no struggle. He just sails. It's the same thing with us. Get into your anointing and don't be afraid of it. Jump into your anointing. Take a leap of faith. Lastly, the lizard In some versions it says spider, but the lexicon said lizard. We're going with lizard. (laughs) So lizards, they're little. They don't have any defense mechanisms at all, but they're fast. And they can climb. And I thought it was interesting. They say that the lizard is found in a king's palace. A lizard can crawl up and it can stick like glue to a wall. The wind can blow. Things can happen. An earthquake can happen. And they're glued to the wall until it stops. And then they keep moving. And they move fast. And if they're going to be found in a king's palace, it meant that they had to have ambition and perseverance. And I think God says to us, you know what? Aspire for the greater things of God. Aspire and have ambition for the greater things of God. I love what you said, Nate. You know, we can start in the valley. And sometimes we look at our life and we see fire burning all around us. Like you said, Nate, that's the ignition. But we have to have ambition For God to move in our life, we have to have the ambition for him to take us to higher places. So if we learn from the lizard, be ambitious and persistent for the things of God. So no matter where you are today, I don't know what God's doing in your life. Maybe he's nudging you as you're sitting there today. But he has a plan for you. 
God has a plan to bless you. God has a plan to pull you higher and to higher things. And we can't settle for less. Maybe he's stirring you today. And I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, if you feel a tension inside of you, pay attention to the tension. Because God's moving and God's nudging you. A couple weeks ago we did the baptism. Remember when we were baptizing? And I had the privilege of asking people before they got in the tank, why do you want to get baptized? And I don't see him today. There's there's a young man over here. I thought he was going to leap out of his chair, and he came running up. We were almost done, and he ran up. Remember him? And I said, so why do you want to get baptized? He goes, because my heart's going boom, 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 boom. I'm like, and he says, I just knew God's telling me, do it. And he had clothes on and everything. He just ran up here, and he's like, and I'm going to do it. You know what? He used his locust legs, and he jumped. And he ran up here, and, he, and, his, and the, God was moving in him. And he's like, I don't want to wait. I've sat through these before, and I didn't get baptized. I don't want to wait. I want the things of God. And I love that. It was just such a hunger for the things of God. And he didn't wait. He got up. So if that's you today, listen. Use your locust legs, you know. Sometimes I tell God, and, and I asked you this, not to raise your hand because I didn't want to have to raise my hand either, but do I really want the things for God? Sometimes my life tells me, you know what, I'm a little busy creating my life, God. <laughs> I don't have time for you to interrupt me right now because I'm, I'm crafting my life just how I want it. I'm almost there, you know. I'm a little busy. Don't interrupt it. Don't rock the boat, God, because I don't want to go to Africa and work there, and I don't want to have to go to some poor country. Whatever it is, we all do it. You guys are guilty too, and I'm not the only one. We all do it. We all tell God we're a little busy. But if I'm truly preparing my life for God wants to take me, I'm going to learn from the little guys. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to be around you guys who are hungry for God and have an ambition for the things of God. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to take that leap of faith when he nudges me to take that leap of faith. And I'm going to have ambition and I'm going to have persistence for the things of God because I don't want the enemy to lie to me and say, you can't. Because God has higher plans for me. God has higher plans for you. So let's pray. Thank you, God, that you can take this scripture, these four little verses and your creatures, Lord, and, and we, we admire the magnificent and the beautiful and the ah, awesome creatures that you made, Lord. But you tell us today, I can take the feeble, I can take the tiny, and I can do mighty and great things with them. Lord, we have a lot to learn from you. We have a lot to learn from the characteristics of these four little creatures that you put in front of us, Lord. And I thank you for that wisdom from the tiny teachers. Lord, may we take this today and may we learn from it, Lord, that we don't want to be comfortable in life. I know that our surroundings tell us to be comfortable. Our surroundings say, you know, it's all about you. But Lord, it's not. It's not. You can bless us more than we could have ever imagined, better than that life I could ever attempt to create. You can bless me more than that, Lord. You can take me to your highest places if I'll learn from the wisdom of these tiny tiny teachers, Lord. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you make your home in us, that you invite us into a relationship where you move inside of us, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for choosing us. Lord, I know that they tried to burn the the locusts. And the first ones that went across the fire, they died, and 
And they fell on the fire and it put the fire out so that the rest of them could cross over. And God, you did the same for us. You took that and you died and you created that bridge so that we could cross over into enemy territory and we could take back what's ours. So Lord, I pray for the courage to do that. I pray for the courage for each one of us to take a leap into your anointing, to take a leap into what you're already moving and how you're already moving. Equip us, Lord. Give us confidence. Help us to obey, Lord. And we thank you, God. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. So if today you want to you wanna make a, a decision and a move and a line in the sand, I'd love to pray with you. If you say, today's my day. I'm done. Just being status quo. Make a decision today. Let's pray. Let's pray together. So salad downstairs. Enjoy. Enjoy your week. Love you guys.